Welcome in, everybody, to Under the Radar Fantasy. I'm your host, Austin Bankhead. We are here, 2021. First episode, yes, I understand. It is February, but hey, I always like to do my podcast with guests. Frank, how are you doing? Doing all right. Just trying to keep the dogs from working too much since running stag tonight with the wife out. So if you hear them in the background, I apologize in advance, but... Uh, you got kids, I got dogs, so <laughs> I know how it goes. Talk maybe a little bit for a second about how our leagues ended for 2020. Mine, not so not so well. I think maybe I hit fourth place in my four leagues, and the rest I didn't even make playoffs, or six maybe. I think I lost one to Frank even. That's kind of keep that on the down low. Didn't you just win a keeper league? I did indeed. I'm staring at the trophy right now with my big, beautiful name on it, and it has brought me great joy. Uh, I barely squeaked into the playoffs. It was quite wild. The people that I jumped ahead of were very upset. It was uh, just a brief summary. The uh, <clears throat> It was week uh, 13, the last week of regular uh, – yeah, so week 13 – I needed, I think it was three teams ahead of me to lose, and I had to win by a significant margin. And so I won by the margin I needed. Team A lost, Team B lost, and Team C took us into Monday night, and they had Zeke and the Baltimore defense. And they were playing one another that night, and I was freaking out because I was like, I freaked out for like the first five minutes until I just totally caved and was like, okay, no, I'm not going to make it in. Then at the end of it, there was a tie between the, the person playing and the, 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 I, the guy that I needed to lose tied. And I was like really confused. Like, oh, well, I mean, I'm not going to get in because he tied. And then I started doing the mental gymnastics and was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I think I'm in. <laughs> and then uh, Devonte Adams and a couple other good, uh, start sits that I, uh, I played with, got me all the way to the end, and I ended up taking the championship. With the sixth seed and having ties involved, no fractional scoring. Didn't you guys talk about having that fixed by next year? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay, fine. I'm one of the guys, so is my co-commissioner, and apparently none of the other people in our league. I like the aspect of having ties involved and that, okay, I just need one more yard for that one more point to make this work. And we enjoy that tension and having the ties kind of affect things. And apparently we're the only two people in the fantasy football world universe that appreciate that. And so into the next year, we will more than likely, it's pretty much a done deal. Uh, We're going to be doing fractional scoring just because we've got people that are really upset about the fact that we don't do that, especially since the guy that lost that game that I booted out of playoffs with that tie, uh, he that was his third tie that season. <laughs> and so he was not happy. And my favorite no thing, way. my favorite thing about it is his name is Tyler, and whenever I'm talking about him, I spell his name T I E L E R. Ah, that's awesome it's my it's my favorite stupid little thing about about that and he was the one at the beginning of the year when he was complaining about it i was like look we'll just deal with it move forward it's fine 
And he's like, man, I can't wait for the day that, you know, you lose because of this tie thing. And then he was that one that uh, it was just, it was too glorious. Anyways, that was my, that was my thing. Our trophy just for fun is a, uh, is a decanter football on top of where we put the name plates on it. And so right now it's got a decent bullet bourbon in it and uh, it's sitting on my mantelpiece that my wife is asking me to move and I am not going to do that. So she does very nicely and I have very nicely responded. No, thank you. I'm going to keep it there. So I cannot wait to have that in my place this next year. <laughs> Uh, Austin is the newest member of the Game of Throws. Uh, not terribly original, but very fun name of that Keeper League. And uh, <clears throat> we just had somebody fall out, so he is replacing that person. And I informed Mr. Austin that his name will only – he's only fighting for second place because this trophy is staying at Mikasa, exactly where it is, much to my wife's demise and clearly to Austin's. Taking second place to – you, Frank, would not be a total loss, and it'd be nice to have hardware next to my bookshelf with my other little trinkets and fancy football stuff. It'd be nice to have it there for a year, but I'm excited to be a part of the group. I know a couple and at least one other person in there besides yourself, so I always like playing with a different group of people who give it a little bit more of a... Um, chance for difficulty because you don't know how these other people are going to draft and who they like more when you have other friends around you could probably tell what they're going who they're going to pick or whatnot but for me it's a completely new challenge a new adventure and i can't wait all right austin who would you rather have right now lamar jackson dynasty lamar jackson or josh allen are we going to go off of when we have our draft where i have to pick number five or you just ask me straight up no i'm just i just mean in general like right now, you have the option, add this person to your team, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. Oh, boy, that's a good one. I I feel they're basically the same how I've judged and seen them. And, I'm again, I'm not a scout. I'm just a hobbyist with fantasy. <laughs> you are so not answering the question. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm leading up to it. Disclaimer. Um, I say Allen. And... Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I agree. It's and I feel like I feel like a lot of that is is based on passing ability because like I I think Lamar is fantastic. If it was redraft, I I might say Jackson. I might say Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But to be one dimensional, and we've seen it in the first half of this season with Lamar Jackson, is if a team can limit his ability to rush, he can't pass. Like, he does pass, but not like in a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or an Aaron Rodgers kind of way. Because none of those guys – because those guys have ability to rush, but they don't as often. And so the freedom of being able to do both with Josh Allen, I feel like is so monumentally effective because – uh, did I send you? I'll send you the video later. It's a really funny video about some guys playing flag football. Oh, I saw it. Quote unquote Lamar Jackson. You saw that one? That was yeah. so funny. It, it, um, it told a perfect story. But it was so true. Like, okay, we know you're going to run. Uh, the reason that I didn't choose them to progress in the playoffs is they're too one dimensional. Like, 
Lamar Jackson specifically is one dimensional. If you shut him down and force him to throw, he will not be elite. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I'd rather have Allen than, than Jackson in dynasty. In redraft would lean Lamar, uh, just because since seeing this year, he could probably be a little bit cheaper. Uh, in redraft, I don't like to go for really early quarterback play. I have a different mentality when I do redraft. Um, I'm completely content with, well, one that I did this 2020 season, um, I went with Stafford um, and Matt Ryan. So went really more like round 810 to find them. Uh, and that's just my my mentality with it. I don't feel I need to pay up for those. Wait, wait, wait. So your first – sorry, I, for redraft you're saying? So the redraft that I did recently was a this 2020 season was a one quarterback. And um, my mentality – for it. Single quarterback, you waited eight to nine, and you went Stafford, uh, Stafford Ryan. Well, so with that specific league, you were not allowed to use the waiver wire. So I think I, be- I believe I got. Oh God, you told me about that one. Okay, yeah, I hated that. I thought it was a cool wrinkle. It made you think about who you think was going to well one stand upright the whole season and actually perform. So yes, it did throw you off a little bit on who you could be getting later. So it threw a wrench into things where I would never pick up a second kicker. I would never pick up a second defense. I probably would never pick up and have a second quarterback unless it was a bye week and I absolutely needed one. I would never draft a a second, any of those three things I just said, but it made you do it because it was kind of like fair game. Everyone else has to kind of do the same thing. So uh, pick your poison on who you want to um, draft, so to speak. And I thought on paper to begin the year, how my team panned out was great. You had Stafford who threw the ball. You throw, eh, how should I put this? Again, I don't have stats in front of me at the moment, not for this specific topic. I do for some other things, but again, a top 10 quarterback for passing. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're just all oh, just talking out your ass. Uh, top 10 in passes per season. Matt Ryan had. I think for the last two, including this last year, for sure at the start of 2020, was ranked the the Falcons, not maybe him, but the Falcons were the first passing offense. So I picked Calvin Ridley as one of my three wide receivers I needed to start to pair with Matt Ryan. To begin the season, I was like, that's a solid play, along with pairing uh, Ridley with A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson splashing in there, Brandon Cooks and Jamison Crowder. This is PPR. And then matching or going now to running back, having Zeke in there. Again, start the year. Zeke, Miles Sanders, CEH, David Montgomery, and then having only tight end, one tight end, not tight end premium, Mark Andrews and Mike Gusecki. I went, if I don't win this league, this 12 team, $10 league. Uh, something terrible has got to happen. I started out with a four game win streak, ended up placing eighth. You know, I think I might be able to top that. I might be able to top that. So I've got a great, I've got a happy story and a sad story. Uh, Calvin Ridley and so Calvin Ridley and Matthew Stafford. 
basically helped me win my championship in my keeper league. I had legitimately told, <laughs> I had legitimately told because week 16 Stafford was questionable. Like we were like, okay, is he even going to play? I had told my buddy who I was in that league with, as I was like, Hey, this might lose me my week, but do not start Matt Stafford. What are you doing? Because I want to week fifteen, he was hurt. I wanted to win. He He played. Yeah, no. So week sixteen, yeah, you're exactly right. So week sixteen, I told my buddy that I was playing in the championship. He was like the three seed. I said, "Do not play Matt Stafford." What are you thinking? He's like, "No, I'm starting Stafford." I was like, "Why? Why would you do that? He might not play." And he's like, "No, you're just trying to get into my head." Which, looking back, if I had said nothing. He probably would have switched him out. But the fact that I told him, hey, don't do this thing, solidified his answer. And so he started Stafford, who, if you remember, played like three snaps, put up a goose egg, and got a fat zero. And I think his his quarterback on the bench, I think, was Kirk Cousins. And if he had started Cousins, he would have beat me. And then Calvin Ridley, I got him right before our trade deadline. For, I traded away Michael Thomas and like a fifth round pick. I told you about this before. Michael Thomas and a fifth round pick. I gave that up for Calvin Ridley and a first round pick and a keeper league. And so that was, I did not expect to get that in return. So that was very exciting to me. And so getting Calvin Ridley, who I think in PPR was like the number four wide receiver on the year, uh, that helped win me my championship. It's great. Uh, but Devontae Adams that last week really, really helped push me over the edge there. Now, the sad thing is my other keeper league that I'm in, oh, shoot, who did I have? I think my roster was, if I'm just pulling it off the top of my head, I had Ryan Tannehill, Michael Thomas, uh, Robert Woods, Devontae Adams, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, uh, Logan Thomas, and that's basically the core of my team there. And I didn't make playoffs. And I was absolutely livid. I was so mad because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so that team didn't even make playoffs. But uh, my other team that, you know, I, I didn't have nearly that caliber of players, I ended up dominating. Logan Thomas, actually. Uh, I'm very impressed with Logan Thomas. I'm still toying back and forth as to whether or not I should keep him going into uh, the next season. Oh, that's right. Funny thing is about Logan Thomas, for a lot of people, he was on the waiver wire, and uh, one of the leagues I took second in a few years back, probably like 2016, my team name was Waiver Wire Wonders, and I took second, and this was the league where... um, I Maybe I think it was 2016, maybe it was 2017. Uh, It was the first year... I believe, or maybe it was the second year, whatever year it was that Allen Robinson had Blake Bortles and they were unstoppable. And then uh, everyone was high on Tyrell Williams that used to play for the Chargers with Phillip Rivers at the time. And uh, those two helped me, believe it or not. That was one of my first times playing PPR. And um, ever since then, I've just cannot quite get over the hump past like fourth. Fifth is a good average, and it's a bummer because usually it's near the end of the season where, oh, cool, you look solid, and then 
in playoffs just have that one real bad week or back-to-back weeks, and it puts you way down in the gutter. Um, so I'm hoping to change that and flip that around this year with the new Superflex and Tyler Premium draft that we have coming up and I believe May, you and I, and then to tackle this keeper lead together. I'm still stressing about that, both both because I feel like I'm slowly becoming more and more responsible for the menu for that event. Uh, also, because I have the number three spot and I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to trade back or keep it. And if I keep it, who to hey, take? Everyone needs to be bringing a, some form of potluck style to that event. And which is funny that you bring up the food aspect. We will jump into one of the segments right now. I call it the fast food faves, okays, and lames. My fave in terms of fast food, I went with Chick-fil-A. My okay go-to when I'm in a pinch and really just want something quick and easy, uh, that's McDonald's to me. And my lames, which I'm not a huge fan about. Maybe if like that was a last resort, I went with Arby's. <laughs> my QB for the Chick-fil-A spot, my fave. You have may seen him in the news lately. He is not happy with where he's at, and rightfully so. His name is Mr. Deshaun Watson. How can you not like him with the fact that he's 25 years old? He puts up numbers with mediocre talent. He is 25 years old. Granted, he signed that big contract. This year was the passing leader with, I believe, 4,800 so passing yards. I think, let me go find it real quick. 4,823 yards passing. And now, I believe this is only going off of through week 17. So weeks 1 through 17, not including those are involved in playoffs. So this should be fairly accurate, courtesy of Pro Football Reference. He was the passing leader. I already said that. He was second in passer rating with 112.4 on the year. He was only behind, I believe. Let me see. What did I find? He was behind Rodgers, who ended the year with 121.5 passer rating. He was second in passing yards per game with over 300, with 301. Only second behind Mahomes with 316. And... Out of terms of having to figure out the rushings, I knew he was a rushing quarterback. He ranked six in rushing yards total on the season with 444, so six out of the quarterbacks. I can't remember how he placed out of everybody, but that really doesn't matter in terms of quarterback rushes. He was sixth. And the other crazy stat about him, and he still managed to overcome all this with a subpar organization subpar talent at his disposal he was still sacked oh he was second in sacks behind Carson Wentz on the year he had 49 sacks and still put up those numbers my mediocre my middle my still consistent it's a go-to when I'm in a pinch type of situation that's Aaron Rodgers to me again I've had him a few couple times in leagues and I mean you can't go wrong with a person that has the repertoire of throwing the ball wanting to constantly throw the touchdowns not hand the ball off he was the leader in touchdown passes this year along with how he ranked in passer rating 
He was the top. Second was Deshaun Watson. Funny that. He is just a middle-of-the-road kind of person for me just because he's he's up there in age. You know where you're going to get with him at least every game is 250 yards, maybe two touchdowns. Doesn't really throw the their interceptions or really turn the ball over, so that's nice. The only other reason I think would help more is if they had a second person at wideout. You cannot continue to just feed the ball to Devontae Adams every single game and expect to overcome the hump. And it showed this year they couldn't quite – couldn't quite do it against the Bucks in the playoffs. And, you know, Adams, too. He fed Adams. He was the leader in touchdowns with 18. And Adams finished the year with 115 total receptions. And that was only second to Diggs with 120. My lame, I haven't liked him in the last three seasons. Uh, that's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is kind of tied with me with Sam Darnold. Uh, maybe he will flip around for Sam Darnold when he uh, has Robert's. Salah, Salah, apologize if I screw his name up. Maybe he can turn the tides a little bit with a different coaching staff there. But I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion with Carson Wentz and that that, that franchise is a little bit of turmoil along with Texans at the moment. Carson Wentz was tied in the NFL with interceptions with Drew Locke this year, who, again, is I don't think he's terrible, Drew Locke. I don't think he's terrible. I just think he's a little bit still raw. He needs a... He needs like maybe one more year, one more veteran person to kind of watch with him. Uh, so I don't take too much time away from Frank. He, Carson Wentz that is, took the most sacks. He had 50 total sacks and he was top of the list with 326 yards lost from the sacks. Second place was Russell Wilson. Huh, imagine that. And second worst in passer rating was 72.8. Sam Darnold was the worst with 72.7. So basically they're practically the same. And that's kind of pathetic. Um, I don't see there's much hope for Carson Wentz. I think there is still one more year for Darnold. And now, hopefully, now we can turn it over to you, Frank, for your three quarterbacks. Got it. So I think, I feel like... When I try to do these, I think, okay, great. Well, there's the obvious ones like Mahomes and Rogers that are like, okay, well, you're going to want to start those all the time. But there's a consistency level in terms of like comparing someone like Josh Allen to Chick-fil-A where when I look at his his stats, he really only had maybe two games where you were disappointed in starting him. But even – when you're disappointed, he's still putting up 17 to 20 points, depending on how you're rating. And so you are never like upset about starting Josh Allen. So this season, in terms of production, I would definitely put Josh Allen at that Chick-fil-A level, high-end production spot, just because, not only because of his production, but because of where you drafted him. Like you drafted, if you had Patrick Mahomes, if you had Kyler Murray, if you had Lamar Jackson, you drafted them probably within the first five rounds. For where you drafted Allen in his production, I feel like it's really difficult to put someone else, maybe Rodgers, but Rodgers at least had the history of success to follow that some people, like the Aaron Rodgers truthers drafted him, like Green Bay fans drafted him in like the second round because they're insane. Um, I've seen that in Seattle too, where people draft Russell Wilson first. And then they're like, yeah, I made a great decision when he had his like 
three bust or his three boom games, but like you're not rewarding that person. Josh Allen's success for where he was drafted, I definitely feel deserves to be at that Chick-fil-A level position. Especially since people were saying at the beginning of the year he has a really easy schedule, and then after his bye week it starts to get a little tougher with tougher defenses, you need to sell him. So I totally agree with that. Who do you got for your like middle-of-the-road McDonald's-type quarterback? This was a really big toss-up, and I think we had discussed it beforehand. It's kind of a toss-up between Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson, and I'm going to give it to Herbert. Uh, Deshaun Watson, if it weren't for his draft capital, like how soon you had to draft Deshaun Watson in order to get his production, his production level was insane just because of how terrible the team was and how terrible uh, the schedule was. Like, If you don't remember the schedule, I'll go ahead and remind you. They started off with the Super Bowl champions – Kansas City Chiefs. Then they went to Baltimore with the one of the best defenses in the league. Then they went to Pittsburgh with one of the best defenses in the league. Then they went to Minnesota, who doesn't have an easy defense for sure. Uh, and then it was okay from there. But he was still able to put up points from all of those teams and continue consistency. But the reason I'm going to go ahead and give that position to Justin Herbert is because he wasn't even supposed to start this year he's had one bust game where you're upset about starting him his first game where i'm sure nobody started him because he because of the situation uh he was on the waiver wire right yeah he was on the waiver wire like you picked him in our league you can keep him as a 12th round keeper because of where he was because nobody owned him uh I guarantee you nobody started him the first week of play, and he scored 25 points. Like, that was his introduction into the league. Hey, guess what? You know the guys that won the Super Bowl last year? You ever heard of Patrick Mahomes? You're going to play against him because we decided to poke the lungs of our starting quarterback. You're on the clock. Go. And his ability to produce was insane for the fact that you picked him up off of waivers. And so I'm more than comfortable giving that uh, label to Justin Herbert's consistency of just being able to say, you know what, I need some fries right now, and I need them to taste exactly how I need them to taste. And you're like, okay, great. Uh, For garbage ranking, we can all name a quarterback that pissed us off this year. Everyone can. Uh, I feel like – and let me pull this up real fast. There's two that I was kind of going back and forth between – Story of my life, man. Let me look him up real fast. I just want to make sure that I'm not... Okay, yeah. So, the Lamo, the Church's Chicken, the Arby's. <sighs> I'm going to say it's Derek Carr. Because it didn't take us too long to figure out that nobody wanted to start Drew Locke. Like, at no point did you go, I'm going to start Drew Locke. And I'm happy about that decision. There were several times that you wanted to start Derek Carr because of the matchup. And I'll tell you why. Because the first game, he started off with 15 points. Nothing. Then he went from like 20, 25, 24, 28 into the bye week. And then outside of that, he played Tampa, Cleveland, the Chargers, Denver, who was garbage. He got eight points out of. Atlanta, who was the best matchup for passing offense. He got six points. Anytime you wanted to start Derek Carr, you were disappointed. You said, I guarantee you, if you're a Derek Carr owner, 
And you can sound off. If you're a Derek Carr owner, I promise you, you did not start him on a week where he succeeded. Atlanta was the streamer team where you would follow Atlanta, look at their schedule, pick up whatever streaming quarterbacks you could in redraft, and start that quarterback. And he got a total of, mm, let me see, like, what, 200 and 215 passing yards. He threw an interception and got absolutely nothing anywhere else. He lost three fumbles that game. He was garbage against what should have been a great team. And then the teams that he shouldn't have done well against, like New England, he did really well against. And so you sat him when you shouldn't have, and you started him when you shouldn't have. And so that is where I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to pull in. I'm going to get my roast beef sandwich. I'm going to get my curly fries. And then afterwards, when I eat it and I feel like garbage, I'm going to kill myself or drive off a bridge. So who's a, who's a running back that's not garbage who you have near the top with the Chick-fil-A award for running back? Uh, I mean, it's hard not to say Alvin Kamara. He had nothing but success against everyone for like except two weeks. And that's coming from someone – well, having Kamara is too simple. That's too easy of an answer. Um, it's hard not to say Alvin Kamara just because of his insane production level, but runner up has to be Dalvin cook. Like his consistency level was absolutely insane. Any week that you started Dalvin cook, you were a happy man. And so, uh, eliminating Alvin Kamara, I would say Dalvin Cook is probably my Chick-fil-A level. Oh my goodness, person. I'll go away from the top five-ish group, and mine is Nick Chubb. Uh, He was outside the top 10 in attempts, but yet he still placed seventh with rushing yards at 1,067. Um, He was still quite a bit off of the leader, Derrick Henry, but, you know, Derrick Henry averages around last at least the last two seasons. He has averaged around 400 touches. I don't see that sticking around a whole bunch more. No, and no one's going to put Derrick Henry in that position because anyone who would didn't have him in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, he bit me too in one of the redrafts as well, so I'm a little sour to him, but I wasn't sour to Chubb in another league. And also I'll add that he was fourth in the NFL with uh, 12 rushing touchdowns. He averaged 5.6 yards a carry on the season. That was second, and then he was third in average rushing total yards per game with 88.9. I believe the one who averaged the most was, again, Derek Henry. So we'll bounce back to you with who's your kind of like middle-of-the-road McDonald's type uh, running back. Uh, my middle-of-the-road is uh, Aaron Jones, actually. He did miss some games due to injury. But, I mean, his yards per carry remain great. Uh, He had an early bye. He had a really huge boom game the second week against Detroit. But for the most part, like, if you can get 10 to 20 points from a quarterback weekly, that's what you get with Aaron Jones. Uh, I'm looking at the points right now. He went 17, 44, 15, 22, 12, Two injury weeks, 12, 13, 17, 10, 23. Uh, the only time you were really upset with him is if you started him in playoffs against Detroit where he got eight points when he was supposed to get way more. But then he got 24 and then 12. Like he had one bust game 
again, and the only reason it was really a bust game is just because it was during uh, against a team that he should have dominated on. Uh, but Aaron Jones definitely is up there. Yards per carry, just he's he, he's gonna get you something. Low floor, high ceiling, and I feel like that's really what you get. The only other t- the only other one that I would that might come close is Derrick Henry. But my problem with Derrick Henry is that he his floor is way lower, but his ceiling is way higher. And what we're talking about right now is middle of the road where I'm like, Aaron Jones definitely will get you at least this much every time, no matter what. I think mainly because he catches the ball. Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball. He needs to be in the end zone to get you any points. Yeah, yeah. I'm going off PPR for sure. 100%. Okay, cool. Totally agree with that. My middle of the road, McDonald's person, well, for me this year anyway, was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I... Uh, didn't really jump in with the hype on just the fact that he was with the Chiefs. I did think, honestly, he would had performed a little bit better than he did. Um, I was almost, when I was looking up his details on how he ended the year, I was almost tempted to put him in the Arby's category. I mean, this guy with the Chiefs offense, a very high-powered offense, Patrick Mahomes and everything, and it showed that they just don't use the running back. This They just didn't this year anyway. He ended the year with four total rushing touchdowns. To me, that's just that's terrible. If you put that in terms of just matching him up with running backs, he was 33rd. One less touchdown than Christian McCaffrey, and he played in three games. Yards per game when it came to catches were only like 22.8, and that's way outside the top 10. Just the fact that, yeah, you're playing with Patrick Mahomes and you still can't even catch anything out of the backfield with him. So he, to me, he was practically damn near an Arby's person. But my Arby's person, since I kind of leaned into it, and I'll let you um, do your Arby's next after me, was Ronald Jones. <laughs> to me, Ronald Jones and, and CEH were pretty close. But I mean, how the deciding factor was, outside of Ronald Jones having one of the longest runs of the year with, I think, 98 yards, um, and a fairly decent average yard per attempt with five, just over five yards, he was riddled with injuries. He was supposed to be the dude this year. Leonard Fournette came from a different team that no one want that didn't want him anymore. Stole a job a few weeks. And this dude just does not catch the ball. His average A dot, average depth of target, for those who don't know what A dot means, was under one yard. And his he was under a yard also when it came to catch the uh, catching per the reception. So he was always catching it behind the line of scrimmage and then getting caught or then dropping the ball. His drop rate was pretty ridiculous, too. My church's chicken, my Arby's, are the people... I try to I try to frame it to where people who really pissed me off when I tried to start them. Also, the other thing I incorporate into that is where I drafted them. So, like, for example, I would not put David Montgomery, even though David Montgomery had some super bust weeks. Like, David Montgomery won people championships. Like, week 12 on, he didn't score less than 20 points in PPR. He was fantastic. And so, even though it's David Montgomery, like, no one's going to draft him first round, even though he won everyone championships across the board. One of which is Le'Veon Bell, just because he went from the Jets to the chiefs and i was like oh man they're really gonna use him but then i thought of the exact same 
CEH argument of Patrick Mahomes does not utilize. The Chiefs do not utilize running backs. And so the 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 biggest factor is where people were drafted. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was drafted in the first round in most leagues, as was Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott was our top four pick. And so Zeke and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are probably the two that I would put up there. Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably uh, had, if I'm not mistaken, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a better fantasy finish than Zeke, correct? I'm going to take it back. Zeke, Zeke is, my, is my pick for this. Although Zeke did have uh, – let me pull it up real fast. He did have a few weeks where he did all right. Like the very first week, his best weeks were with were with Dak Prescott. But when you draft a top three, top five running back, if that's what you spend your pick on because you're waiting you know, another 12 picks to get another person, you expect more from a starting running back like that. And when you have weeks where you're – like from week six on, it's 13, 5, 8, 8, 19 was a good game against Minnesota, 3, 12, 7, 0, and then 17. That's not good. That is not a first round pick caliber player. And so I would I would put Zeke in that position, not because he necessarily performed that poorly, but because he performed that poorly and he was a top five player pick in most redraft leagues if not all and i i can agree with you to a degree when you pick have a first round pick especially for a running back you expect him to win you weeks and there was a lot of times uh particular for me since i have him in one league i sat him a few times for naheem hines and jd mckissick uh, that just should tell you how his season went dude and how do you sit zeke like, that's the emotional turmoil you go through is you're sitting Ezekiel Elliott for a backup running back. He ranked ninth this year in running back category. He still crested the top 10, though. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was number 22. Ugh. And, that, and that's where that seals it for me. The worst thing about it is that I know he will still be a top six pick, at least a top 12 pick in most leagues. And I will be there with him because it's the Cowboys. They have Zeke. They're, or they have Dak, sorry. And they're going to continue. <laughs> I think you muted yourself. I'll find a way to end it so it doesn't go into that whole fiasco right there. Um, so my Chick-fil-A one that I was very impressed with, A.J. Brown. Again, not really someone that's going to be a top 12 pick in redraft, maybe not even a top 20 in redraft. Definitely that in Dynasty. My McDonald's, middle of the road, Calvin Ridley or Deontay Johnson. I'm sorry, did you say Calvin Ridley was your McDonald's? Or Deontay Johnson. My reasoning for that is... Stop. Stop. Deontay Johnson are like my middle... <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to get mad. Calvin yep. Ridley and Dante Johnson? All right. We we have yet to meet in person, but expect a good hard slap in the face. Okay. Now, the reason why I chose either of them two, I'm torn, for kind of the same reasons they share... You shouldn't be, but okay. Yeah, they, they, sh- I don't, 
Mm, I'm not going to say they share similarity in age. What I am going to say is um, they both shared the same pains with injuries this year. They both shared difficulties in specific games throughout the year with their quarterback play when they saw actual legit number one coverage. Sometimes when Calvin Ridley was facing number one coverage without Julio Jones, Matt Ryan could not find him to save his life. There's been a few times where he barely put up anything. But when Julio Jones was on the field, he did great. Deontay Johnson's issue is, besides the injuries, they also have Chase Claypool. Granted, he is a lot taller. He is just as fast. But that dude's a monster. Deontay Johnson's just around my height at 5'11", 180, 190 pound wide receiver. I am not that weight. That only will get you so far. He showed that he got injured a good chunk of the year this year. He also has no guarantee with his quarterback outside of this next year. Same with Matt Ryan in Atlanta with Calvin Ridley. They got some help that needs to happen with their quarterback play. And I think just past maybe one more year, it's going to get a little bit tricky. That's why they're my middle of the road kind of people. Okay, no, I'm 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 sorry. I'm gonna have to intervene. Calvin Ridley had like legitimately about sixty more fantasy points with two more touchdowns. Hang on, hang on a second. I'm gonna. Uh, this is bugging me. Dante Johnson had more targets. Dante Johnson had 144 targets, more targets, and he had about 400 less receiving yards. One ranked fifth, the other one ranked in the 20s. Okay. I'll hit you, but that's fine. <laughs> we can still be friends. This is going to be violent. Again, that's just preference. <laughs> it's just preference past this year and then 2021. Do I think that they can maintain when they have a different quarterback get switched for each of their teams? No, especially putting up – okay, maybe so, maybe more for Ridley because I don't think he'll hit a top 10 – no, Austin, you're – okay, here's the reason why it's bugging me that you're talking about these two like they're side by side. Like, in what league would you take Dante Johnson over Calvin Ridley? And what players would you take in between them that would cause you to make that decision? Those are just happened to be ones that were Ridley at the top of my head just because I had them on past teams. Ugh, okay. <laughs> I had the same up and downs with Matt. You know, when Matt Ryan would play, if he didn't have Julio Jones, you knew how it was going to turn out for him. He wasn't going to throw for over three. He wasn't going to get touchdowns up to three. He was going to throw more picks and have more fumbles. So Atlanta's a mess. We all know that. That's fine. That's why I lean for And it sucks for him. It's nothing against talent and anything like that. It's all based on where his situation is at. If he were to right, get But also remember that Pittsburgh – couldn't run to save their lives. They were throwing all day long. So, like, take away a good quarter of the of the targets that Dante Johnson was receiving because, I mean, Juju is realistically their number one, even though he didn't really have a good year. The, I'm, I'm just saying the fact – the reason I'm getting worked up is that you're talking about Dante jo- – where would you draft Dante Johnson next year? Redraft. 12-person league PPR. What round? And then tell me where you would draft Calvin Ridley. And tell me that they should be in the same conversation. Well, if you're talking to it like in terms of that, then no. One's three, four rounds away from that, the other. That's, that's where this is coming from. <laughs> uh, fair. I'm going a little bit past where you would draft said person. Yes, was I surprised on how... 
uh, Ridley ended this year, sure. I'm kind of thinking more towards like what it would be like next year. Maybe I'll just shove Deontay Johnson in the middle of the road person because I got really upset with the fact with that amount of targets, he should have been damn near top 10, top 15 wide receiver if he didn't have the stink. Okay, I will say this. I'm looking at at Dante Johnson's numbers right now, and I did underestimate his performance and his output for this year. But at the same time, he did go from 10, 24, 0, 1, 0, 29, 1, 13, 23, 23, 12. That's super high ceiling, low floor. Whereas with Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley was just so much more consistent. And so I think, I think the consistency is really what I'm having a bicker on. When you're being force-fed from the Pittsburgh offense, when you're being force-fed passing, let's say they get another stud running back. Let's say they get another Le'Veon Bell of old, an Ezekiel Elliott, a Todd Gurley of old, a running game that they're used to. Dante Johnson's not getting those targets. He's not getting those yards. His boom games are eliminated. And so that's where I'm like, okay, if he stays where he's at and they get a good run game, Dante Johnson isn't going to continue to be where he's at. Whereas Calvin Ridley, if Julio continues to fall, he's going to be the number one. But do you think he can do number one coverage? That's the thing is where I'm like, okay, where this is the reason why I don't want to draft right now (laughs) for next year. Um, Because it's the Juju situation all over again. Juju was incredible, but it's because they were double covering Antonio Brown. And now that Antonio Brown's not a factor as of last year, Juju's completely fallen off the map as an elite wide receiver. And so it's kind of the same thing. Like, is he going to be able to continue his production post Julio or is he going to be like Juju? And when Antonio Brown's gone and he doesn't have the extra lack, the the excess space, the lack of coverage, is that going to continue on? That's where, my question's up in the air, but I have more confidence in that situation, in those two scenarios, in starting Ridley over Dante Johnson. Yeah, and that's fair. It made me sway the tide to being the McDonald's award going to Deontay Johnson more so than Ridley. So it was fine. It was a healthy argument. Um, or not argument. It's a debate. My RB award is pretty simple, and it's going off of a more of a dynasty aspect, and that's in Kill Harry. Dude was in a first-round pick by the Patriots. I mean, 6'4", 225-ish, still pretty young coming out of Arizona State. And the dude has just flopped. He finished this year with 33 receptions and only 309 yards and had two touchdowns on his sophomore year. It's not looking any better. He's been a total flop as a first-round pick, and it's upsetting because he's only 23 years old. Uh, so the only reason I would disagree is because I feel like after the first two or three games, no one wanted to start Nikhil Harry anyways, after seeing the way that Cam Newton wasn't throwing to him. Uh, Nikhil Harry was definitely part of my analysis to figure out who to give this bottom of the barrel award to. And I feel like for me, taking into account a, where they were drafted, b what you expected from this individual and see what their actual outcome was, I'm going to get, and I hate saying this because I love this person so much, I would kiss this man on the lips, is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett had three solid games going in against Atlanta, against New England, against uh, Dallas, 
and then he fell off against Miami. Then he had a rough game against Minnesota. Boom game against Atlanta. And you expected to be able to count on him. And where you drafted Tyler Lockett and what you expected from Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, you just were not happy. Let's see. Arizona. Sorry, I misspoke earlier. Not Atlanta. Arizona. He scored 53 fantasy points in PPR. And then 7, and then 8, and then 11, and then 21, and then 5, and then 12, 10, 7, 7. That is not who you expect Tyler Lockett with a quarterback like Russell Wilson to be. That is a huge disappointment. That is a, you're in the bathroom, diuretic. Tums will do no good in this situation level of disappointment. Tyler Lockett has a huge ceiling. But his floor is just as low. And that is so hard to depend on in fantasy because I think his overall finish, because of his boom games, was very high. Yeah. But his lack of consistency lost people the ability to make it to playoffs. And that's not what you want in fantasy. You want consistency more than anything else. And especially with a team that was preaching to have let Russ cook this year and it was looking very promising in that area to start the season and excited with DK and everything like that. So I can attest to that. I am, I was just as disappointed, but again, I, another little fun fact, I try not to hang on to or draft Seahawk players. So I don't want to get too emotionally tied to it. I'd rather just be able to, I just would prefer to oh my watch God, a Seahawk game and I have to like, check my phone, check my phone, check my phone. So that's so funny. I come at it from a different angle. I come at it from an angle of, I know that everyone else that I play with is from Seattle and they will overvalue whether by hope, whether by preference, there's just an over evaluation that happens with Seahawks players or with any player that you live in locally, any fantasy league that plays in green Bay is overvaluing all of the green Bay players. Like I'm trying to think of a time that I rostered a Seahawks player and I can't, I don't think I've ever rostered a Seahawks player because of that. I know that I'm going to have to draft earlier for them and I want nothing to do with that. Yeah, and that totally makes sense, too. If you have a bunch of homers, what they like to call it, homers in your league, and you know that they're probably going to go and reach for a said Seahawk or Green Bay player if you're playing with any of those people in a home league or whatnot, work league, then that'd be great opportunity for you to jump on going the opposite route. You may end up getting somebody that you didn't expect to be there, and usually that would help you out um, the league as it progresses. Uh, speeding things along, not going to again dig too much with tight ends. But if you've already been tuning in this long, why not just finish it out with us? We'll make this short and sweet. Kelsey. Kelsey. Absolutely. Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Yep. Let's, Travis Kelsey. Let's not stick. This isn't a discussion. Yep. Let's not <laughs> stick too long on it. Second, this year obviously would have been like Waller because with having someone like Derek Carr at the helm throwing to him, pretty impressive. My mediocre... And it's a shame he is a mediocre because I blame the quarterback. That's Mark Andrews, especially after last year with how things went for him. And he kind of fell a little bit down this year. But again, tied in for the most part. It's a dumpster fire. I think he plays fourth or fifth. And then my Arby's can't stand him, Zach Ertz. Oh, Zach Ertz. I think his season... And time and time with yeah. the Eagles is over. He only played in 11 games this year. He had only one touchdown. 
he averaged actually no he didn't average on the year he only had 72 73 points that ranked him 33rd amongst tight ends and he averaged only five points a game that's not going to get it done that's a guy that you leave on the waiver wire and again you drafted zach Ertz early right he was a middle round tight end within the top five rounds yep Usually, most of the time yes so that was mine that's disgusting for his finish absolutely that whole team, yeah. the whole Eagles no, team was just poop this year, unfortunately. Ugh. It's so bizarre thinking of the Eagles team and remembering that they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots with Tom Brady recently. Yeah, and they won with Nick Foles at the helm, too. My goodness. Yeah, with a backup. Throw that team right now with a backup quarterback against any team in the NFL. Jets included, and I don't know if they win, but they won the Super Bowl. I think they also had prime offensive linemen at the time. They weren't riddled. All of them weren't riddled with injuries there. I think they all were prime players. Oh, yeah. Their defense was pretty lock. A good chunk of them are all gone as of this year. They were gone the start of 2020. Who's your middle of the road and who's your lame tight end? We all agreed on Kelsey as the Chick-fil-A. You don't want to know who my uh, who my. T- who my top guy was? It was Kelsey. Oh, are you sure? Well, you said it with enthusiasm that it was Kelsey. So yeah, I it's Kelsey. It it's, oh, it's okay. 100% Kelsey. Kelsey, <laughs> Travis Kelsey is a cheat code. For people who don't draft tight end until the end, Kelsey's finish up there with high-end elite. When I say high-end, I mean like top five wide receivers. Draft Kelsey earlier like that's non-negotiable like you have to consider that if kelsey's on the board and you're not in the early first round kelsey's in consideration i don't care how old he is he has patrick mahomes throwing to him he's going to produce so that is all i have to say about travis kelsey because he's a freak of a human being uh i completely agree with you about darren waller uh being a close second to travis kelsey just because the hard thing about tight end is that, like, there's Travis Kelsey and then there's everyone else. Kittle didn't really play this year, so that doesn't really count. There's just a huge disparity between the two. I'd say the next couple of people that probably help win people leagues would be a toss-up between Hawkinson and, Ton- and Tunyon. Very good pick. Hawkinson and Tunyon, and again, this je- it's so weird going from Running backs where we had, okay, it was pretty clear. There's these tiers and these tiers. Tight end is very, very different because everyone has like three or four or five bust games. And so number one, obviously, is Kelsey. Your middle of the road winning you games is uh, Hawkinson and Tunyon. And Tunyon, I feel like, is more dependent upon uh, touchdown efficiency. So I'd go Tunyon – or sorry, Hawkinson. I'd go Hawkinson. Just because, and again, this is 12-team PPR. That's what I'm looking at in terms of stats right now. And I'm trying to think. I would go Zach Ertz as well for my bottom-of-the-barrel person. He got, not only was he injured, he was out. Uh, he When he was playing, he got you nothing. And you drafted him not much further along than Kittle right around where you would draft Waller. Like when Waller is in the argument for next to Kelsey and you drafted him at the same time as Zach Ertz, 
and Zach Ertz got you nothing, Zach Ertz is definitely the bottom of the barrel. Like, he's the trash one that we're talking about. And I don't mean that as an insult to the person. I don't want to be a jerk. But for where you drafted him, you were not disappointed. You were upset. Like, that lost you leagues because of who you could have drafted at that position. He was borderline, I'm going to throw him to the Wolves and go find someone else like Logan Thomas. We shared about that guy or that player uh, earlier before we started recording that you would easily have said, okay, I'm going to just ride and die with Logan Thomas over Zach Ertz. He's just clogging up my bench. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is weird because Logan Thomas, and again, I might just be ranting because he helped me win a championship this year. The fact that he was being fed the ball as much as he was, people are wondering right now whether or not he is the next George Kittle, not necessarily at the same level of George Kittle, but is is he going to be that level of production and consistency or was it just a matter of who the quarterback was? He had an okay opening game, and then he didn't really do anything until week six. And then he had two bus games, and then all of his other games were 10 points plus. So he won people into the playoffs. He won people their championships just because of where tight end is in the in the terrain. And people are concerned about whether or not, okay, let's say they get Deshaun Watson. Is Deshaun Watson going to be throwing to the tight end? And Logan Thomas, or is Logan Thomas just going to become a blocker at that point? Like, there's so much uncertainty around that position. Like, I'm very curious to see what happens with Logan Thomas, but I'm not sure if he is going to be a high round. I don't think he will be George Kittle-esque. I think, yeah, you could probably put him around in the category of maybe just a humble Andrews area Darren Waller probably be his ceiling. Then again, like you said, it all kind of just depends on the quarterback play. Um, So we will see what they do in the offseason. They got a couple things that they got to work on. Uh, I can't remember the other one, but I know Jeremy Sprinkle a good chunk of the time into tight end sets. He was considered their blocker. Logan was the pull of George Kittle more often than not. Go out for a block, turn around act like it's a screenplay, turn up the field. And then he could also stretch the field um, for his size and his speed. It was pretty above average to his metrics. Um, I think they'll utilize him a little bit more come next year. They just need to figure out uh, another second wide receiver of consequence. Can't really run with Cam Sims um, and Steve Sims right next to Terry McLaren. Uh, McLaurin. It's going to be just too easy to figure out how to stop that offensive train. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like when we – if and when they get a quarterback, like, again, let's just say it's Deshaun Watson. It's not going to be Logan Thomas. It's going to be Terry McLaurin. And then he's going to get double covered. Does that mean that Terry McLaurin gets open even though he's in that position where he's going to get covered all the time? Or is Logan Thomas then going to have the juju effect with Antonio Brown and get a lot of those targets? Or is somebody else going to step up on the Washington football team? Yeah, it's a wait-and-see type thing, but how about we end? No, I want to know now. Okay, well, I can't give that to you. I don't have a crystal ball, and I'm not part of that team franchise. (sighs) But let's end the evening with our redraft ranks right now. So 
Do you want to start off with who you would have at number one? I think we both would agree who it would be. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go down each of our list or go one by one and then compare? I'll go down. We'll go down the list. Just okay. say all 12. So do you want to go my list first or your list first? We'll do yours. And if there's a specific one okay. that I, if you think would cause quite a bit of a stir, then maybe just give a quick little tidbit on why you put that person there and then we can just carry on. Okay, so I'm going to just read my list off, and then you can tell me where you think that I'm an insane person. Okay, that works too. So this is based on a 12-man single QB redraft league full PPR. I would still take Christian McCaffrey first overall. Then I would go Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Derek Henry, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Travis Kelsey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. Wow, you have Saquon all the way down near the back end of the first round. That's where I will... Okay, here's okay. here's my thing about Saquon. I, I did not, I legitimately did not want to put him on my top 12 because I know that I will not draft him unless I am like the 12th pick or in the second round. I've drafted... I'm ranting now. There's been two separate seasons where I've drafted him and he has gone down with injury and I can't do anything with him. And so I've been very personally burnt. So I tried to take that into consideration and I don't think that their success is going to be that wildly better. And I would still, it depends on the rest of my roster, but on paper, person for person, I feel like I've got my list correct. You can correct me where you think I'm wrong. Mm, Okay. No, I'm not going to judge too much. on. I'm not going to judge on it. I just was curious on why you had Saquon that far down and you handed it to me perfectly. Um, it's because of just being burnt Most, in the past. Mostly burnt in the past, injury risk, and the team. Like if he was a Dalvin Cook, like Christian McCaffrey, for example. I have him at the 101, even though he's had injuries that left him out. And again, this is from the context of someone that drafted from the 101, Christian McCaffrey. I had him for three games this year. But for the games that I had him, I was ecstatic. 20 to 30 points for those three games. So I know that when I get Christian McCaffrey back, and if he starts, I'm getting what I paid for at the 101. Saquon. Right, you're not going to get a drop-off. Exactly. Saquon, he's had like two of these seasons now, and I don't know what I'm getting with him. And he's on a team where I know that he's not going to be getting as many receptions. He's not – like Daniel Jones is not the solution to the New York Giants. Their defense right now is what's winning them some games. Like tell me right now who you would draft of the top three wide receivers for the New York Giants. Who would you draft out of the three? You got uh, Sterling. You've got Tate. Golden Tate and Darius Slayton. On the clock, you're not happy about any of those picks. Which of the, the three? Only person have? you're happy about, yeah. The only person you're happy no. about drafting <laughs> from the New York Giants is their defense and Barkley. That's it. So the team itself is not going to be in the red zone as often. They're yeah. not going to be getting as many PPR points because sure, their tight end has been great in the past, but he's been so 
consistently terrible that you don't trust him enough to start him the way you would any of the other tight ends we spoke about. So that is my really long answer as to why as 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 much as I would like to have Saquon Barkley on my roster, there are other players that I would have before him. Yeah, that's a very good argument. I um mine goes like this. So CMC still Dalvin, you and I share that same one two. I have Saquon third. I only have him third because touches. I still think that the offense has to flow through him. They got to figure out a way to not have stacked boxes for him. Um, it would be great if he could get over the having the back-to-back seasons of injuries. I don't want a third one for him. I'm kind of like with you. He has to fall to me for me to be excited of taking him. Um, I'm not at number three. I probably would not take him just because of the past injury history, but it's really hard. He's 23. He's not like he's 25 or 26 like Dalvin. So four I have is Adams. Number five, just because I hope that they utilize this player a bit more since I don't know what they're going to do with their original starter since he was out for the whole year, and that's Jonathan Taylor, especially with that offensive line. I think that he can I think he can crash top five if they just give him the work and quit going through three or four running backs a game with him still playing. Camara, I have him drop to six because I think he was a product of having a lot of work due to Tom to Tom Brady. <laughs> to Drew Brees. Derrick Henry at seven. Real quick I'm I'm so sorry, could you recap your one through six? Yeah. So one through six. Yeah. CMC, Dalvin, Saquon. Adams, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. Okay. Derrick Henry's top top 10, top 12, because the last two years he's averaged 400 touches. Yeah. 2019 he had 409. 2020 this year I think he had 412, 415-ish. So he gets work, but we all both agreed that he has to get in the end zone to get you anything. Second wide receiver is Tyreek Hill. I have Zeke at nine. This one's this one I was torn on, but I went again. Fact that I believe he's still going to get a decent amount of work and catch the ball out of the backfield. That's Austin Eckler at ten. That one's up for debate. Stephon Diggs at eleven and Nick Chubb at twelve. So is there any that kind of jump out at you? Yeah, Eckler is probably one that could have been in my top twelve. I just I'm so uncertain with the quarterback changes between Philip Rivers doing the dump offs last year, Tyrod Taylor, and then Justin Herbert, and then now all the coaching changes moving forward. I don't trust I don't necessarily trust Austin Eckler as a first round pick this year. Like there's other names that I would pick up even in the second round before I would pick up Austin Eckler. Not that he's a bad pick. Just that I personally am like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm there yet on Austin Eckler. I tried to rank mine if, in a perfect world, things fell their way, no injury, they got their head, their coach, not their coach, sorry, their quarterback back. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't completely write off Kamara from the whole one through twelve pick range because we know that he's still capable of catching the ball and he's still young enough. Uh, the only issue with him is that he just doesn't get enough rushing attempts. So he has to make it up with catching the ball. Now remind me, did you have Michael Thomas on your top 12? Nope. 
Ah, me neither. Was he even in consideration, though? No. Really? He wasn't even... Okay. Nope. If we were to do three more people, he wouldn't make my top 15. Let's say tomorrow morning... And that might be fighting words. No, 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 no. no. Not fighting okay. words, because I didn't have him in mind either. But he was definitely part of my... Oh, shoot. Yeah, Michael Thomas is a person. Let's say tomorrow morning we wake up and we see that New Orleans has hired Deshaun Watson. Like, they made a trade for Deshaun Watson somehow. Yeah. Michael Thomas, anywhere near what you're thinking. Then Eckler goes away. That's for sure. Okay. From Henry, so pick seven down and Eckler leaving. So Henry would have to go to eight. He'll go to nine. Zeke go to ten. Uh, and Diggs and Chubb stays. Kamara then, to me, takes Saquon's spot at three. He would definitely make top 12 again, and I probably, just for sake of argument and time, I would take Eckler out. That's so funny because, like, a lot of people I know that are doing dynasty startups right now, I'm like, you do not want to do this. Like, at least wait until the rookie draft. Like, why would you want to do this with so much uncertainty? And this one scenario where I say, okay, if this one quarterback goes to this one team, how would you do it differently? And you just re-rank your entire top 12. That's why I'm like, why would you draft right now? Why would you set yourself up for that? I would. It wouldn't really be a whole complete change. It would just, for me anyway, it would just be probably one person going away or maybe, uh, yeah, one getting taken out. And then that Michael Thomas replacing one of those players and then maybe kind of flipping the line a little bit. I don't know if I would move Kamara all the way to three. I probably would, but I would probably put him at three given that Watson did throw a little bit more this year to David Johnson and Duke Johnson out of the backfield, whereas in the past he wasn't known to, but he wasn't nearly as bad. I shouldn't say it like that, but he wasn't like Patrick Mahomes-esque where just did not look at Le'Veon Bell, Daryl Williams, or CEH. So um, I think that's part of Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest reason that, I, we didn't really talk about it too much in the beginning, but the biggest reason why so many people I knew in leagues that we were drafting and redraft were like, oh man, Clyde Edwards Alaire. We got to get Clyde Edwards Alaire because he's on the Chiefs. Red zone opportunity, red zone opportunity, great offense, red zone opportunity. No, I don't. If I'm going to invest in the Chiefs offense for fantasy, it is going to be in Patrick Mahomes, Hill, or Kelsey. I understand that they have more red zone opportunity and that at some point they're going to need to rush, but that's not their MO. And so that's why I still kind of consider Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a bust because of where you drafted in production that he had. Like he was fine, but it's not like he won you any leagues. Most people that won leagues and redraft with Clyde Edwards-Alaire traded him out for someone that had faith in him as someone who's going to produce more moving forward. And I just... Never got on that train. Uh, I didn't get to the hype of where I felt he needed to be a, a top 12, top 15 pick. Some people at the start of the year had him ranked really high, and that just wasn't me either. Um, I had more faith in the people that were proven. He wasn't quite proven yet. I don't even know where I'd have him right now in 2021. I probably wouldn't have him in top 15 either. He'd probably be down there in the 20s with... Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. 13th is Travis Kelsey. Okay. 
which is a good spot. That's fine. And I think the majority of the reason that I put Kelsey so high, because I have him at eighth overall in this point, because, and I have Zeke at nine, because it goes for me, Kelsey's eight overall, and it goes Zeke, Saquon, Diggs, and Hopkins, is the position itself of tight end. Hopkins would be 14th for me. Okay, that's fine. Um, I feel like if the Cardinals get a better run game, then Hopkins, I just feel like they need more opportunity to be on the field, and Hopkins is still going to be Hopkins. Like His consistency rating is still really high. He can still have a really, really good game, and he can still make everything happen. I feel like he elevates the team in a huge way. Um, all that said, yeah, so what was I saying? Like Kelsey, I have at eight overall in redraft, PPR, 12 p.m. If you were to offer me Zeke, Saquon, Diggs, or Hopkins for Kelsey, I would say no, like at this moment. Just because of the value that he has in PPR, in receptions, in yards, at the position. Because you can get a wide receiver that can make up those points on any given week, on the waiver wire in a 12-man PPR, with a bench that's relatively normal. I feel like that's pretty normal. But to be able to plug those points into the tight end position consistently every week, it's such a cheat code ability. And I feel like Travis Kelsey has yet to show any signs of slowing down that I'm still confident enough in redraft to say, yeah, no, he deserves to be that high, especially with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Yeah, that's a very good argument. For those that especially he would easily go probably that is in tight end premium. Tight end premium, if he doesn't, if he's not picked in at least the top seven picks, then there's a problem. Tight end premium. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like if it was tight end premium, I would put him above. Above Chubb, and I have Chubb at seven. And so Kelsey would, even in tight end premium, bump up one spot. But that just goes to show that says more about Travis Kelsey than the platform of scoring. Right. And I, than anything else. I totally agree with that too. Well, thank you, Frank, for joining me this evening and we'll talk outside of the sound waves very shortly, sir. You have a good evening. Yeah, you too. I'll try to get these dogs to calm down. My goodness. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay, brother. From your host, Austin Bankhead, this is Under the Radar Fantasy. I'll catch you in the next episode. I would kiss this man on the lips.